Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome back to 30 Days of Beyond the Grid. It's day three, which is also the number of Formula One world champions Germany has produced. Michael Schumacher broke new ground when he won a seventh title in 2004, a record only equaled by Lewis Hamilton since. So it can't have been easy for the next generation of German drivers to follow in his footsteps. But Sebastian Vettel stepped up to the challenge and became a legend in his own right by winning four world championships in a row with Red Bull from 2010 to 2013. Vettel drove the final laps of his stellar 16-season career at the end of 2022, leaving the sport with 53 race wins, 122 podiums, 57 poles and an iconic legacy on and off the track. I caught up with Sebastian ahead of his final Grand Prix to reflect on the races and moments that had shaped him. We discuss how he dealt with winning and losing, his rivalries and friendships with champions and teammates, what fueled his success, the things he'll miss about Formula One, and what's around the next corner. It's an hour of wonderful memories to cherish. I hope you enjoy it. Sebastian, we're almost there. The final act of your Formula One story. How are you feeling about it? Well, I feel, I feel good. I don't know. Um, it's, uh, you know, obviously you could argue uh, it's a countdown from when the decision was made. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the races. That I was supposed to looking forward to the last races and uh, looking forward to the last one. But um, I'm not um, building up super high expectations just because it is the final one. Um, so just uh, trying to enjoy. How has your attitude to Formula One changed since the announcement? Have you been even more trying to extract the maximum from each moment? I think I just felt a big relief because the decision is a very big one, obviously um, a life-changing one to me and um, one that I was... Yeah, that was in my head and growing inside me for uh, a very long time. So, um, you know, obviously you can imagine a lot of conversations with, uh, you know, my wife and um, with myself as well, <laughs> um, trying to initially understand that voice that was creeping up and, you know, maybe giving me uh, an idea that uh, it's time to move on, but um, initially pushed it away and then it's kept it kept growing. So it's been confusing at the beginning and then, it's been a, a progress, I would say, and yeah. So once the decision was made and it was out, then uh, it was quite a relief. And I think I was able to enjoy the, the time in the car a bit more because I didn't have, you know, these thoughts and um, to think about uh, whether I will really do it or not um, anymore. How long were you pushing it away? To try and understand, I think initially it grows inside you. And um, like I said, it was a bit confusing because I never had that before. You know, the desire to maybe stay at home, uh, not go on the plane, not looking forward to travel. Obviously, uh, you know, there's part of the jobs that you enjoy a lot and other parts that you enjoy a bit less. But after such a long time and after, you know, also, let's be honest, my life has also changed in a way. I have, you know, three kids at home and I really enjoy that part of life and uh, they are growing. So, um, yeah, it's been uh, some years back that uh, the first thoughts were popping up and um, obviously after the uh, change from uh, Ferrari to Aston Martin at that time it was the first time where I really thought uh, you know it might be time to stop or it might be my final contract uh, my final couple of years one two three four who knows but my final let's say period in Formula One um, so uh, yeah around that time and obviously since then um, lots of thoughts and that voice just kept growing and yeah, I'm fairly analytical, so I've tried to 
take it apart as much as I can, put it back together, taking it apart. So um, yeah, it it uh, it did take quite some time, but um, on the other hand, it's also a very big decision. So I'm happy that uh, you know I had these two years. I'm happy that uh, um, yeah, I've been thinking about it for a long time and try to look at it from all angles and try to imagine all sort of scenarios beforehand. Even though time will only tell whether. Um, and how I will, will get on. But I'm sure life goes on, so I'll manage somehow. F1 people become institutionalized because the sport engulfs us, doesn't give us any time to think outside. How scary is the prospect of life without Formula One? Well, it's unknown. That's how I feel. But to be honest, I, I completely understand what you mean. I think uh, it is a, it's a fantastic world and a world that can suck you in and uh, you can stay in forever sort of thing. Obviously, I can't be driving forever. But um, to be honest, maybe I've always been a little bit different to a degree that I, I didn't depend on it and I didn't identify, let's say, outside the races as somebody who is in Formula One. I mean, I am a racing driver, yes, but uh, you know, when I got home, I, I really enjoyed the bits of life that everybody is able to enjoy. There's always been more to life and always more to see than just the racing world, which obviously has consumed me and I'm, I've been obsessed with it for most of my life. I'm sad to not have the adrenaline rush anymore, sad to not have the competition, uh, that feeling to push myself, the car, the elements to the limit, but uh, I'm looking forward to what's next. So I can't give you an answer exactly on what's next, I have plenty of ideas, things that I would like to try. But um, yeah, I'm also very curious to get to know myself in this regard and give that part of me more room. How are you going to fill those voids? You've just talked about you being a naturally competitive person, the adrenaline side of what you do. But then isn't that something that we, as in all drivers and all sports, women, sportsmen, are facing at some point? Just that thought gives me quite a bit of rest, as in... It will catch us all, whether we choose to or whether um, it's chosen from outside. Uh, no matter the circumstances, I think there's a, a time for an athlete to move on and do something else. But I think this, uh, you know, being ambitious, trying to push limits, you can also challenge in different ways other than in a car. Now, I don't have the expectation that I'll do something else and be amongst the best in the world. Uh, I think that would be far-fetched and uh, the wrong sort of approach. But uh, I do think that you know, the general approach and the, the ambition can also show in other things. And that's what I'm hopefully going to explore with uh, you know, time and um, room to, to give all these things that I maybe you know, got to know and got to enjoy outside Formula One as well. So do you think you can be as good at something else in life as good as you were at being a racing driver? I think it would be... Um, <laughs> I, I don't expect to, let's put it this way. You never know, but uh, I, I, I think it would be a miracle if I was because obviously I've done this my entire life. Uh, I haven't had much time to do it much else. Um, I have no degree, <laughs> so I cannot expect myself, and I think it would be wrong, the wrong approach to uh, you know, say that, yeah, I'm a champion, I'm going to be a champion in everything else that I touch. I think uh, that's not a realistic approach, for me at least not, and um, yeah, I think uh, you know, whatever it is, then I'm starting from scratch, but uh, I think the ambition is natural. You have it as a competitor, and uh, it can show on other things, but I, I, I don't expect to make the news if you see what i mean might you go back to uni yeah i mean that's also an option definitely i think there's so much to learn um so uh, there's plenty of of things that like i say i'm interested in and i would love to give room and at the minute i'm just trying to keep an empty schedule because i don't want to commit to anything to yeah to as i said to um let that side of me come out and curious to to learn about myself i might feel horrible i might go through a phase where uh, it's really really difficult um but like i said it's coming at some point anyway sooner or later and it feels like the right time um like i said i have three kids at home i really enjoy that and i want to see them grow as well because obviously you know this this job comes with big commitment and the way i know got to know the job and i do the job is is, is full on so um it would feel wrong to do it some 
sort of halfway just to be part of it or just to be a Formula One driver. I love winning, I love the competition and to win you need to do everything. Uh, that's my conviction. If you're not prepared to do everything anymore, then it's time to make room for others. You want to see the kids grow. Do you want to see them race? I don't know. It's, I think it's for them to, to uh, decide. I think we'll probably go out and do some go-karting or racing for fun. Just, you know, I've, it taught me so much, not just in terms of skills, driving, but so much about life. And it's enjoyable. I, you know, it's a great feeling. So if they like it, then, you know, um, I, I, it sounds so um, empty, but I just want them to be happy, whatever they choose to do. I have no expectations. I don't want my children to go to university and, you know, get a degree and become something really special. I want them to be happy. And if I, we can assist them in doing that, what they love, then I think that's a, that's a great purpose to have. And at the same time, I feel there's so much I can learn with them. You know, it's not, I'm not going to live their lives because uh, I didn't want my father, my mother, my parents to live my life. Um, I think we all uh, you need to live our lives. but. Um, yeah, if I can help and assist here and there, and that's fine, especially at that age. And at some point, for me, it's time to move over and let them do their own thing. Let's look at the stats. You're the third most successful driver in the history of Formula One, behind Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher. Those four world titles, 53 wins, 57 poles, are those numbers a fair reflection of your talent, your speed, your commitment? Yeah, I'd hope so. I think um, it's probably hard to judge in terms of who is the best. It's easy with the stats, but in terms of how we drive and what our strengths and weaknesses are, I think it's very difficult. But um, yeah, I think everything needs to come together as well. Obviously, um, you know, I've worked with great teams, great people, had a blast. And um, yeah, obviously, I'm able to choose from many races. If you ask me which one might have been the best, for example, um, lots of highlights. Um, so. Yeah, could it be more? Probably, it could be more, could it be less? Could also be less, but I don't think that's just valid for me. I think that's valid also for, for other great names that might be on your list. Go on, answer your own question there. Best win? I don't know. I <laughs> mean, obviously the first one stands out always because it's the first one. Um, also the circumstances were unique, but then there were many races uh, that were you know, great as well, um, but also races that maybe I didn't win and uh, um, they felt great as well. So. Yeah, um, obviously, like I said, for me, it's been about winning and it's what I enjoyed most. And uh, it's why I've been, you know, in the sport from a young age. I always wanted to beat the others, uh, got angry when I didn't. Um, I think I yeah, got to know myself um, and that side of my, uh, my competitiveness that I can't always win, obviously. Um, and sometimes others are just doing a better job or deserve more to win than, than I did. But yeah, um, I think you grow as a man, as a competitor, and um, I'm very uh, happy with the achievements I made. For me, it was always my biggest uh, sort of dream to win the World Championship after the first one. It was a massive relief. Du bist Weltmeister! Ah, thank you, boy. Unbelievable. Thank you, I love you. Thank you, boy. Sebastian Vettel, you are the world champion! The world champion, well done, enjoy it! You are the man! Was that the most satisfying one? Yeah, it was, because it's, again, the first one, and it was such a milestone, plus it was, you know, that sort of pressure. Uh, once you win a race, then you have that sort of expectation that, yeah, now you need to do it more consistent and win more often to win the championship. And once that was off my shoulders, it was a, a great feeling. And then I was just hungry for more. And you talked about the anger, the frustration when you didn't win. How did yeah. that manifest itself? Well, I think as a child, I was just uh, angry, upset, um, hard to talk to. Uh, I got into uh, like little fights with my father, who was my mechanic when I was at, in go-karts. Yeah, it, it never lasted a very long time. I have to say I always turned the page fairly quickly, but initially just uh, angry with myself but also wondering what I missed and what I could do better and uh, channeling in it into something positive. And obviously later on, working with you know, more experienced people and lots of engineers, you try to obviously understand and analyze why. And you know, I've, I've, um, I think I've always liked 
the rational approach uh, why things happened and what we can do about them next time to to learn and make sure that you don't sort of lose again <laughs> yeah have managed to uh, you know completely get it but uh, i think it's been okay now, a lot of your success was front loaded all four titles 39 of the 53 wins coming in the first six years in formula one did that create an unrealistic level of expectation in your mind no not really i i don't think so i mean i i didn't count myself as in you know now it's year five and it's better than year four and now it's year six or year eight i don't know so i never looked at it that way i think you you understand also after a couple of years um that uh, especially let's say after i don't know after the 2010 to 13 wave and then the 14 sort of hole where i didn't win i think i didn't win a race and uh, you know you were happy then after some races to be back on the podium because you haven't been for a while so it changed the it, it just cha it's normal it changes your 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 view on on things whereas if you're you know at the front and winning all the time top three then being second and third you're not happy or pleased with yourself um, so then the years with Ferrari, they were a bit up and down, but uh, overall still at the front. You could argue the last two years, in a way, were, taught me a lot, not being able to win races because the car wasn't good enough. And, uh, you know, that's the nature of our sport, which if you are at the front, you sort of ignore because it just doesn't touch you. And there's probably other names, um, you know, when you've always been in a very competitive car and at the front, then you don't see what's happening in the back. But the efforts by the teams and the drivers are probably as high. Um, the push is as high, but nobody mentions it. And um, just less light, less focus. But uh, it taught me a lot in terms of, um, you know, understanding that if things don't go that way, and they might have as well in the bigger picture, then uh, it would have been a very different sort of time spent in Formula One and different expectations. So I think it always depends where you are hovering around the grid. Now, I also believe you can fight your way up and, and uh, you deserve the place at the front, but you know, it's also true that the guys that are in P10 or P12, P15, they're no idiots and they would be winning races if they were in the right car. So that's where it would be nice to see in the future maybe if our sport was coming a little bit closer together so that you, we see more drivers at the front battling for podiums and, and wins. 2014 aside, those Red Bull years were so good so much success you were just riding this wave do you perhaps now appreciate what you had at red bull more than you did at the time i think there's time there's a time for everything you know i i I've, like i said you don't finish on the podium for i don't know 10 races and the race you finish back on the podium it feels amazing even though it might only be a second or third and not a win uh, you win 10 races in a row you finish second or third it feels like coming short. You know, you will never get to a point where I think you forget about uh, what's happening in the moment and looking at the bigger picture, as in imagine what you think if, you know, you look back in 10 years' time. Um, so, yeah, did I enjoy the races that I win enough? I think so. I think, you know, I could have celebrated more, but then I was very quickly in the mode of winning the next one, which I think is a big contributor of why I probably won so many. Um, not letting yourself go in the in the moment too much and not losing the focus but then again we're all different everybody has a different approach and i think that's that's fair you know my approach probably wouldn't work for others and others wouldn't work for me join us today during the jeep celebration event right now get 20 percent below msrp for an average of 15,178 under msrp on the purchase of a 2023 jeep grand cherokee overland 4xe or summit 4xe not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Sebastian, when were you happiest? At Toro Rosso, at Red Bull, at Ferrari, or Aston Martin? 
I don't remember exactly how I felt 10 years ago. Um, obviously, I, I love winning. I won. You can argue I was happy, but I think, um, yeah, probably I'm very happy now. I wouldn't go back in time. I'm very happy where I am uh, in life today. Racing, but also outside racing, um, gives me a, a lot of joy. And um, yeah, I wouldn't go back and change anything. I wouldn't go back and say, oh, I'll break earlier here or avoid that mistake, um, even if it was an obvious one. But I don't think, in, I think in the bigger picture, also the moments that were really difficult or maybe stupid taught me something in the end and brought me to where I am today. So. I don't know, I don't live in the past. I also, um, I probably don't live in the present enough. I probably spend quite a while in the future thinking of tomorrow of what we can do better and uh, how we can make the car faster and so on. I hope it stays that way, that I'm not, uh, you know, hanging, hanging in, the, in the past. It's interesting, though, that you say professional happiness isn't directly linked to success on track. Yeah, maybe it's something that comes with age or maybe something with, uh, you know, the, the experience that um, obviously there's been a couple of years now where I didn't have the ultimate success on track um, to realize. But also I feel very strongly going forward that I need to be happy with where I am today, saying that I'm quitting and I want to do something else. Whether I win my last race, win the last championship in the final year, or haven't won a championship now for so many years, I think ultimately only matters to me. So for sure, from the outside, it's a nice story if you can say, ah, oh, he's won on his last race, or he's winning the championship and then he's stepping aside. But then it's still you that have, has, to, has to cope with it. And uh, for me, I'm happy where, where I am today. I'm not, I don't build up that whole picture of the last race, the last time. Of course, it will be uh, emotional, but whether I finish first which i think is unlikely but whether i finish first or i might uh, not even finish that race ultimately it doesn't change the you know the, the the amazing time that i had in all these years and um shouldn't change going forward uh, my perception of of all these years who do you owe the most to in formula one what do you mean is there one person who stands out without whom none of this would have happened or the success wouldn't have been as extreme as it yeah. was? I think my wife. The, the sort of strength that she gave me in all, through all that time. I mean, we've been together since forever, uh, since I left school <laughs> and she left school. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the, the correct answer and the fair and the right answer. Also because, you know, Formula One life is very intense. We have a lot of busy schedule, a lot of races, lots of things to do. And I think it's very consuming mentally. But to um, love another person so much to, uh, you know, put yourself second in a way and uh, give all the support you can over, su over such a long time. In all honesty, I love her very, very much. But I don't know if I would have been or would, would be strong enough to, to do something like that. So for sure, I could name a lot of people now that helped me to get a seat and made, made, made my racing possible. But um, I think deep down, you know, a lot of, I feel a lot of drivers have a lot of talent. We're all a bit different, but that's good. But uh, I think in the end, it boils down to just being in peace with yourself, being happy in your life and being able to extract that talent when it matters, keep your nerves together when it matters. And it's got a lot to do with balance in, in life and life is bigger than those laps that you see on the, on the track. So I think the answer, the correct answer here is my wife. That's a lovely response. How has Hannah helped you away from the track? Is it those low moments where she helps build you back up or... Oh, there's so much. I think she's always been there, you know, always been uh, supportive. I mean, we um, obviously talk a lot to each other and about everything. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's all those moments that are not glorious. It's all those moments that uh, you'd think they are not important. But I think there's a lot of them and um, they, they do matter. So she kept me sane. <laughs> Um, yeah, looked after me and, and uh, gave me the support so that I never felt alone, if you see what I mean. So... Um, and, and, f and felt loved. I think that's generally a, 
a great feeling to, to have. So it's hard to give you an example and say that she's been there and I, I was down and then she's, you know, doing, she's, been, she's been doing this and that and to pick me up and bought me some chocolate or something like this. I think that's, you know, there's been these moments as well, but I think overall it's, um, yeah, there's much more to it. And does it help that she knew you before you became a megastar? Well, I, I, I think she's just the best person in this world and I think she's the best person I can possibly be with. So um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm also convinced that if I had gotten to know her later, it would have still been fine. So um, I'm just happy that I met her so early. So um, I didn't spend a great time looking for her. Sebastian Vettel, swerving, weaving, dancing to the chequered flag. He wins as a Ferrari driver for the first time in Formula One. Woo! Yes! Sì, ragazzi! Oh, mi senti? Mi senti? Grazie mille, ragazzi. Grazie, grazie, grazie! Dai, forza Ferrari! How would you sum up your five years at Ferrari? Oh, I had a lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, I had, uh, yeah, uh, I think I have a, a very strong uh, emotional uh, connection to Italy and, and the people of Italy and uh, to Ferrari as a brand. So uh, it was, um, you know, a very a, a privilege to, to race for Ferrari and we had great moments together. So uh, lots of memories that I will, will keep forever and lots of friends that I made. So, um yeah, in terms of the numbers and statistics, I failed because my target was to win the world championship and I didn't. Um, ultimately, Lewis and Mercedes as a package were too strong for us and we, we didn't beat them. But um, the more time passes, the more I'm with, in peace with it, if, if, uh, if that makes sense. Um, just because, yeah, uh, living through the moment, I know that we've done great things. I know that we've done things also that weren't great and uh, in the end like I said there was somebody else out there that was just better in, in, at that time and deserved to win so um, we came second a couple of times but uh, yeah no regrets and uh, lots of things that I learned and I wouldn't again wouldn't go back and change anything. How much did those five years take out of you emotionally? Uh, it was at all as well I mean I, I think it's I never felt that sort of extra pressure being a Ferrari driver um, if anything, I felt the extra pressure that I had an expectation to myself that I want to succeed in this place and I want to make this thing work. Um, so, um, you know, there's plenty of reasons why it didn't or might not have worked. But uh, in the end, um, I think I'm still very happy and in peace with what we have achieved. But sure, looking back, it was probably, um, you know, it did, uh, did take a while to sort of recover. If there's one thing you could change about your time at Ferrari... What would that well, be? If you want to hear something, I mean, like I said earlier, I wouldn't really change anything, but yeah, I think that moment in the gravel in Hockenheim was probably not a, <laughs> the high point. Where's it out of the race? Sebastian Vettel! He has been leading almost from start to finish, but now he's out of this race! For sake. For sake. Sorry, guys. I was breaking early, but I would even break earlier. But that's, yeah. Then I still have to do the rest of the race, so you never know what happens. But um, other than that, uh, yeah. I, I wasn't actually referring to specific incidents. Yeah. It was, it was going to be more. You talk about the pressure that you put on yourself. Perhaps not doing that, being a little bit more chilled about it. Would that have made any difference? I don't, I don't know. Might maybe. Um, what I did at the time was always trying to do the best I could. Yeah, again, I think uh, the experience taught me a lot. And even if maybe the approach here and there was wrong and it was too, too much or maybe I tried too hard at times, it still taught me something. So I probably would have had to learn that lesson at another point. So no, no changes. <laughs> and, and that final year was so difficult. Was that the moment when you first started thinking about stuff outside of being a race driver? Yeah, already the year before, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, I think with the, um, 
you know, 17, we had a great car and we fell short. 18, we had a great car. We fell short again at the end. Just both years, we didn't keep the development pace up and we just fell back. Um, so we got beaten. 19 was a bit of an odd year because the start of the season wasn't, let's say, um, to me at least, not giving me, us, the momentum to, all right, here we go again. So then you start to think, you know, what might have actually been the problem the last couple of years? And maybe there were too many thoughts. At the same time, Charles came in, um, not having, I think, being just in a very different time in his career, in his life. And uh, it, was, it was funny because I could, you know, I watched him and uh, we got along really well. I think um, um, I really enjoyed uh, the, the time we spent together. Um, and uh, he taught me some things, not necessarily about driving, but um, yeah, I, it's, it was a little bit as if I was looking at my younger self. And it did take a little bit of time to understand that um, because obviously my target was not to just win a race. I've done that. My target was to win the championship and ideally win the championship the way I wanted to win the championship, which is winning many, many races. So, uh, yeah, maybe I lost myself a little bit in, in, in that process and maybe my races here and there weren't the finest. But still, I would say the lessons that I had and still I would say some of the races were pretty good, were more important. And, um, yeah, then coming into the year 2020, obviously, with the pandemic and it was... Yeah, making, making room for that voice that I mentioned earlier inside me to grow as well. So interesting, but I would just call it life. And I think we all go through that one way or another. I'm no exception. I'm nothing special. Now, at this point, you've driven for two of the three biggest teams of the era, Red Bull and Ferrari. Was there ever the opportunity to race for Mercedes? I don't know. Maybe there was, but I, I, I mean, I spoke with Nikki. But to be honest, I like halfway through the Ferrari period um, about joining obviously would have been a big deal because uh, Lewis was sort of their number one. And then I'm not sure whether they would have liked to have us both in the team. But I, I also didn't have great interest at that time because I was so committed to Ferrari and that was my dream to make that thing work. So you talk to each other, but it wasn't like really serious. Would you have relished going alongside Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, I think it would have been a, um, a great challenge and I think I would have enjoyed that, but um, just wasn't meant to be. I mean, it was the... Obviously, at that time, like I said, the, the, my focus was to win with Ferrari and that was my, my target. I didn't want to change team and win with Mercedes, if you see what I mean. Other than just winning that I really love, it was winning with Ferrari that was the great goal. So... Uh, yeah, and then after it just didn't didn't happen. So, and that's that's fine. So, cool with that. But uh, I think I would have enjoyed racing with Lewis. We get along really well. I think our moment was the 2017 Baku Grand Prix, where we had maybe a, you can call it nowadays misunderstanding. Hey, hey, he brake tested me. What the f going on? Understood. We're reporting it. Focus on. I have time. damage. I think. I was very upset. It was one of these moments where things didn't go my way and I was upset and maybe the emotional side did uh, take too much over. But I think actually that moment was a key moment because it could have made us step away from each other more or bring us together and it brought us together. So Because you sat down and talked about it? Yeah, because we, I, I mean, I reflect and... I, I did think about what, I, what happened. And as much as I might have felt in the moment that that is not fair, that's not right, and I wanted to show him, I wanted to tell him, but obviously we're wearing helmets and it's hard to communicate. So that was a form of communication. But I also did see that it was the wrong form and uh, it, was, uh, it was not the right way. It wasn't sportsman-like uh, and uh, not fair, which uh, I admitted afterwards and we talked to each other. And I think since that moment, we yeah, got closer to each other. Can I ask you about some of the other champions that you've raced? Michael Schumacher. Would you have even embarked on a racing career if it wasn't for him? I don't know. I don't think I started because of him. My father was a Senna fan 
and uh, watched Formula One before I was born <laughs> and before Michael was in Formula One. Um, but then obviously, you know, uh, we started uh, racing and there was a real boom in Germany. I mean, uh, in 95, after he won his uh, first championship um, in 94, uh, we had so many kids my age um, getting into racing um, and doing, you know, uh, uh, racing go-karts. I think un unseen since then in Germany, those numbers, we had more than 100 kids trying to qualify for a race at the end. The final was with 34 four kids on the, on the start. So um, I think it was that boom as well in Germany that really hyped the whole motorsport culture and you know, raised the bar in terms of competition and level with all these junior series racing in Germany as well um, that uh, have, have helped. But uh, I probably would have gotten into go-karting, racing, but I don't know if I, it would, I would have taken off as much. Plus, it was a massive inspiration in that age. I was never really a Senna fan because I was too young to, to understand. And Michael was always there since more or less I can remember. So it was clear that I met him then at the go-kart track as well. You know, he was shaking my hand, handing the trophy. So he was still is my hero. And those three years where you shared the same racetrack in Formula One, does... Even now, does it feel surreal? Yeah, it does. I mean, the, it, 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 I got to know him more and more. If I had not got to know him and then raced him straight away, that would have been surreal. Like that, I never felt as if it was surreal because I raced Michael, the person, my friend, the person I got to know. I, I, at some point, I didn't see him. I forgot sometimes that he's the Michael I admired when I was a child growing up, the same Michael, if you see what I mean, because then you get to know somebody and you see the person first before the stats, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it was just nice to, to race him. And sometimes I had, like, flashbacks just of my childhood and actually realizing it's him. Um, many times when we race together, the race of champions, because you see more of what he's doing, even though it's for fun, but still... You know, him in, the, in a go-kart, him in a, any type of car. It was, for me, it was something special to witness because it just looked better than all the other drivers I've seen so far. It just, there was something else. Maybe that's just me admiring him, but I think there was also something special. Can you elaborate on that? What impressed you? It's just, it's the, the little moments, you know, when you stand on the track in free practice and you watched and... Obviously, you know, when I watched on television, it was far away. But when you start to see him live and when he was in a go-kart or, like I mentioned, the race of champions in some of these other cars trying to, to, to wrestle the circuit, there was just a, a sort of relaxedness about it when he was in the car in, or in the go-kart, control, and it just looked natural. Whereas I haven't looked at myself from the outside <laughs> But uh, with other drivers, you always got the impression, yeah, they're fighting, fighting the car, fighting the tires, fighting the track. With Michael, he was fighting these things, but it never looked rushed. It never looked out of control. Even when he was braking too late, did a mistake, lost a lot of time, still looked like in control. So, yeah, I don't know if that's just worshipping him and because he was my childhood hero or there was something else. His work ethic was legendary, as is yours. Did you learn that of him? No, I, I think maybe there are some similarities, but uh, I, I don't think it's sustainable as well. I don't think it's I work hard because it's the right thing to do or I work hard because it's what he or she did and he or she succeeded. I think you need to find your own way I'm naturally interested and obviously I, I feel extremely privileged that I've worked such a long time with, you know, very intelligent people, very clever, smart people, but mostly very passionate people. F1 is a unique world that sucks you in. And I think mostly because people are very passionate. They're passionate about racing, passionate about making a car go faster, which you could argue what's the relevance, what's the point. Maybe there is none, but we love it. And it's the passion that, that drives these people. And to work with, the, with passionate people, I think, is a great gift because it, it never felt like work. It never felt like I'm staying here to you know, work harder than the others. It felt more like 
I'm interested and they are giving me everything I want to know. It's more like at some point I had to say stop and say, look, I know that I need to get some rest as well. I need to get some thoughts outside this bubble uh, to then be able to perform on the next day. But um, I think working with passionate people has taught me so much and um, it's not a given. What's happening with the notebooks, by the way? Your legendary notebooks? Well, they will fall. Uh, <laughs> they will, they're already a bit dusty. Uh, you got and, them all? Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, um, maybe when I you know, get to a point where it's like, oh, what have I done? I will go back into my notebooks and read through them. But um, hopefully I will not open them again. Like I said before, not spending too much time in the past, not spending too much time in the future, thinking of future notebooks, but being a bit more in the here and now and uh, enjoying, enjoying that. But um, yeah, there's, I know where they are. Uh, they're in the drawer and um, yeah, shouldn't get too much dust. Sebastian, I know you say you don't want to dwell on the past, but I've got this vision now of you in 20, 30 years' time trying to explain to your children, your grandchildren, what, what these <laughs> notebooks are all about, these dusty old notebooks. What's oversteer, Grandpa? Well, I think first it might be hard to explain to them what a notebook is. I think, uh, you know, they are becoming a little bit out of fashion, but um, I'll keep them because I, I don't know, it would be quite harsh to throw them away. But then again, there's, you know, new... Um, notes to to be made so we've discussed michael schumacher we've discussed uh lewis hamilton i did also want to ask you about fernando alonso because uh, when you were winning everything of course so many of your battles were with him when he was at ferrari how do you reflect on that rivalry i suppose is the right word i i think i admire him as a competitor he's probably been the toughest one uh, especially in these first couple of years and we had so close battles at the end of the championships, both in 2010 and then 2012 in particular, which is still probably one of my favorite moments, memories, just the tension coming into the 2012 Brazilian Grand Prix that morning, that build-up. Um, I think that for me at least, I mean, I don't know, for the people who were there, were probably more relaxed, but um, for me it was very intense and I think both of us were very nervous. I rate Fernando really high as a driver. I think he's, um, he has got so much natural talent, incredible determination, um, great racing instinct, and all of that he hasn't lost. He's still, you know, you can see he loves, he loves his racing. He's very passionate. As a person, though, I don't know him really. I'd never got, um, I, I wouldn't say we don't get along. I think we respect each other. But it's, it's just never happened that we really got to know each other, spend time or uh, talk much, let's say, outside, outside racing. Um, maybe we didn't have that moment like I had with Lewis <laughs> um, that brought us together. But um, yeah, uh, I think he's you know, a great com competitor, probably one of the most difficult I, I've ever had because he's just always there and never backs off, but also very respectful uh, when, you, when it comes to wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing. And I've, I've enjoyed so much. But like I said, as a person, we probably don't have the best of relationships because we just don't know each other so, so well. Maybe we are too different. Maybe there's other interests. I mean, we have racing as a common passion that excites us both. But then, uh, yeah, it just never happened that we, in all these years, uh, really got, uh, got to know each other. And it's probably like in school or like in at work, you have a colleague that you respect, but you don't really know. And just maybe the chemistry isn't as much as I get on with Lewis and we have stuff to just talk about and maybe some views that we share with Fernando I might have these as well but we just never had the chemistry to really get get into this so I I think um, despite having the same passion big passion in our lives we're probably two very different people I think we are maybe you know now in terms of age getting closer the gap's always been the same but obviously uh, um, you know I I could, you could argue I'm closer to him than maybe to somebody who's coming in with 20 today. But uh, yeah, probably just two different people and we are probably in a very different point in our lives despite the fact that you know, we've been racing each other for so long. How interesting, because I thought he might be trying to download you about everything Aston Martin, but no, there's been not even that. No, and I don't think there will be, but I, I don't think, uh, I don't know, I don't think that's, it's going to happen. I mean, if he has a question, I'm happy to answer. Um, but uh, I don't think that will happen. 
just you mentioned Brazil 2012. How were you feeling after lap one when uh, you and Bruno Senna had had that that little contretemps? Well, I obviously knew that that's not good. Oh, oh it's look, it's a Red Bull! It's a Red Bull! It's Sebastian Vettel in the middle of the track! It's the worst possible scenario for Sebastian Vettel, who started on the second row and is now running right down at the bottom of the field. And once again on the opening lap in Interlagos, the championship is blown wide open. Straight away, turn the car around. I mean, even during the spin, release the brakes, roll down the hill. I think if I had just slammed on the brakes to try not to hit anything, other people would have hit me and that would have been my race and championship. So um, straight away realizing that's not good, boom, but then getting off the brakes by instinct, just rolling down the hill, trying to avoid contact because when I'm a moving target, it's easier than just a stationary one where they, nobody can sort of react in time. And then fight my way back. There was not a single moment where I doubted this is over. It was just okay, this is not good. I don't know what's going to happen, but this can still be good if we just keep our heads down and race till the end. The race isn't over. I wasn't asking in the race, where's Fernando, where's Fernando? Um, at some point I was racing him as well, again in that race, but um, yeah, that was a long race just because so many things happened. It was crazy. We went to intermediates and then back to different tires, I don't know how many times. Um, that I actually don't remember how many pit stops, but it felt like a lot. And um, yeah, so when we then uh, crossed the line, it was big relief. I was very happy. And I didn't think about Fernando much, to be honest. You're the world champion. You're the triple world champion, Sebastian Vettel. You are the man. You're a triple world champion. What about Max Verstappen? Do you see yourself in him? No, I, I, no, not. Uh, well, I, I don't. I didn't race him. Like I, I didn't get to know him and race him like maybe I did with Charles. But uh, obviously, there's a ton of parallels when it comes to, you know, Red Bull with the team, the first year, the second year. But uh, I think it's a different time. I think he's a different guy. I. I think the people that work with him and probably work with me are the best ones to, to ask. Again, I think probably were quite different, but um, yeah, obviously it's incredible what he's doing and he's got an incredible talent and I think he's matured as well over the, the years. Now it's also that he's been around for quite a while. So um, yeah, I think he deserves every race that he wins. This next question is so difficult to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who is the fastest driver you've ever raced? That is very difficult to answer. Um, F1 is particular because you only get to really see, let's say, what's happening behind the wheel with your teammate. Um, the other drivers, now we get a lot of information, data and so on and have some knowledge, but you don't really know how good their car is, how much they might adapt, how much comes their way, how much they're working for it. You, you just don't see all of these things. I think if, you know, on, a, on, a, on the day, um, obviously that, you know, in terms of consistency, um, I think I've been, and I don't want to give and sound like I give myself credit, but strong in those years. But on the day, Mark, when he got his things right, it was unbelievable to witness I don't know, like you'd pick a weekend like Nürburgring. Nürburgring 2009? Yeah, it was just, I ran out of things to do. And, you know, I, I, after the race, I just said, I don't know how you did it, but hats off. It was so quick, so much quicker than me. Then obviously, you know, the, for the year after, whatever, I tried to work on Nürburgring. Maybe the track doesn't like me or maybe I struggle with the track. But when it... it didn't matter so much I think it mattered for him more to be really in his happy place if he was there and the car was doing what he wanted and expected it was it was it was it was impressive to see um, obviously um, you know spending the year I think they've been all been all been challenging and and um, different in, in and special in their ways um, yeah I think Charles has been something special, just the amount of talent um, and how he manages in, in one lap in particular and qualifying to squeeze um, 
pace out of himself, the car uh, was nice to see. So, yeah, lots of. I think it's it's not fair to drop probably one of the of the teammates I had. Daniel obviously had a mega year in 2014, and yeah, maybe I was too upset with uh, you know not being in the position as 2013 and um, difference in in cars and generation and so on. But um, yeah, the truth is he outperformed me for some of uh, you know the races with uh, quite a big margin, and I ran out of solutions. Those are the moments that are not very happy, but. I learned probably to sort of, yeah, channel my anger <laughs> and being upset feeling into something positive. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. I can't believe we haven't talked about Kimi Raikkonen yet. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I didn't mean to, to uh, uh, leave him out. I think Kimi is actually the biggest natural talent I've come across ever. Just in terms of raw speed, I think, um, and it shows in the car, obviously, but it shows also in any other form of car. I think switching, if, it, if there was a discipline of switching cars every day, after 10 days, Kimi will be lapping everybody else, just because it's just, it's just a natural. It doesn't, doesn't take time to adapt to the car, to what the car requires. You give him a steering wheel and he knows what to do. That's the sort of pressure. Sometimes you feel it's unfair. You need to get used to first and, you know, get an idea of the track or the conditions. And for him, it just, boom. Did that make him infuriating as a teammate? Um, no, because I, I, I think with him, I probably had the best relationship uh, out of all the teammates I had because it was just so straightforward. There was never an argument if we crashed into each other we talked about it, fixed like what happened, maybe laughed about it. Um, it was my mistake, it was his mistake. But then there was never a question that anything could sort of, yeah, shake up or, or destabilize the, the, I don't want to say bond, but the relationship that we, we had. And he's been probably the, also the one, when I came in, I remember he was so respectful from the day I walked in, you know, looking into my eyes. Um, where with other drivers I felt, okay, I'm shaking hands and I'm saying hello, but actually the guy is not, not present, uh, is not here. So with people, I think Kimi has been exceptional. And all good with Kimi, even after that turn one crash at Singapore? Oh, yeah, it was not a, it was, no, not a, not a problem. I think we never got upset with, uh, with each other. Um, like I said, because we just talked about it and that's what about it. Mark Webber? I always felt that was quite a spiky relationship. And, and the first thing that comes to mind is multi-21 Seb in 2013 in Malaysia. Well, I mean, now there's a bit of time and uh, uh, time that has passed. Look, I think Red Bull started to become a team where you could actually achieve something. Um, Mark was a huge uh, contributor to that. And when it came together, then, you know, it was in the end, our sport is great, but only one guy can win. I wanted to win, he wanted to win. So, yeah, ultimately somebody had to, uh, had to um, come second. So um, I think that's just, a, it was just a rivalry. And uh, probably, you know, we were at very different stages in our career. I didn't look at much else. And maybe here and there didn't have the maturity to... Um, look at you know a bigger picture sort of thing, but I think we always got on. Um, it got more intense because the rivalry was just there, and it was you know clear that we can win in our car. And 
like I said, only one guy can win. But uh, I think the fact that we always had a good relationship, even in difficult times, brought us together in the end again. And today, I think we are really good with each other. We've talked about best wins and you, you picked win number one, Monza 2008. But I want to ask you about China 2009. In terms of a weekend performance by Sebastian Vettel, you had an issue in qualifying, had just the one lap to get it done. Pole position, you win the race in dreadful rain and everything else. That's got to be right up there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a good weekend, but... Um, Red Bull's first as well. Red Bull's first, yes. Um, we had a 1-2 as well. So, um, yeah, great memories. I cut my finger, actually, on the trophy. I remember that. I still have a little bit of blood on the trophy. Yeah, I, it was an incredible weekend. Qualifying, you, you ride just that one run or just that one lap in every segment because he had an issue with the drive shaft seal. So, yeah, I, I think it's not fair to just highlight a few, but for sure, looking back, there have been a couple because of the circumstances as well that have been exceptional. I know you say you don't know what you're going to do next, but when I think of you in Formula One, I think of you in Red Bull. That's what stands out. That's where the titles were. That's where the wins were. Helmut Marco turns 80 next year. Could you ever envisage a day where you become their motorsport director, if that's the right word? Would you like to sort of give something back to Red Bull in that way? Well, obviously, uh, it's been a very, very difficult year um, in this regard with the passing of uh, Dietrich only um, a short time ago. So, um, I, I don't know. I think for me, I'm happy to go into the unknown and like I said it's a bit about um, you know not being selfish but about self-discovery because obviously I have the racing me that I know really well and I had the racing environment that gave me a home for so long but also gave me a schedule gave me a rhythm gave me so much to hold on to and now I think I feel I'm ready to get out and um, learn about myself obviously um you know, the, the day I decided to have children, I think uh, part of my life um, I was happy to give to my children. And I don't feel that's a loss. I think that's a massive win. And I look forward to, to that side. Um, but for sure, it, like I said, I don't want to live the life of my children. I think it's important that I find something together with my wife. She finds something. I support her. We will see what uh, what time, time will bring. But... Um, for sure, I'll have to find something that consumes me and, uh, um, and gives me uh, something to hold on to and, and probably also something to outlive or not outlive, um, live my ambition and my, my drive that obviously I have. I'm a bit mad and I'm a bit uh, insane sometimes. So, um, yeah, I need to find a, a place to, to do that. But it might be racing in, an, in a different form. I don't know. It might be something completely different. Ah, so you, you might not hang up your helmet. You're just saying goodbye to Formula One. No, I, 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 the honest answer is I don't know. Um, maybe after a year, I feel like I, I need to get back in a car. I don't know if it's a Formula One car or any other car, but um, I feel that there's also so much more to life and other things that I would love to, to explore. And then really only I feel by trying out and experimenting, I'll be exploring really i'll be able to to find something i can make a long list now and say this is what i would like most but then i don't know if it will fulfill me so i think i need to be open and open-minded but yeah whether it's racing racing in a different form that means not in the cockpit but outside the cockpit like what you mentioned working with a driver some drivers young drivers i don't know could be but it could as well be something completely different and that's cool as well so We'll see. Obviously, I have passions outside of Formula One. I'm very much passionate about uh, the future, future of our planet and uh, future of humanity in terms of, um, you know, being concerned where we are, uh, the climate crisis and the threat to future generations. So, um, yeah, I'm very interested in and solution orientated. Maybe that's because of hanging around with so many engineers for so long, trying to fix and find solutions uh, to, to make uh, 
the world a better place. I'm not going to change the world myself, but I think if we all start with little steps and head, head, heading in the right direction, um, that's a, not just a start. I think it's a necessity, and it's only just fair for those kids that are now 20, 24, racing in Formula One because they want to keep racing as long as I did. The kids that are now in go-karts that dream about Formula One, that maybe might be in Formula One one day, um, having the, the opportunity to do so. And uh, I hope that Formula One can be changed of the, you know, part of the uh, solution for future paths to go down. So yeah, many, many interests and many thoughts that I have. And like I said, I want to give those more, more room. So Abu Dhabi, it's not a sad occasion for you. It's an exciting occasion. Yeah, that's, the, that's more how I see it. I don't know if I'll be in tears and all uh, break down, but um, I, I don't know. It, maybe it sounds strange, but I thought about this so much and it feels so right that I'm not scared of Abu Dhabi and I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to what's coming after. I know the adrenaline rush will be different, very different, and will be gone. The excitement of driving in places like Suzuka, pushing myself in the car to the limit and feeling the forces will be gone. And that makes me sad. But again, it's a trade for something different and something very exciting, potentially. I need to find out, but that's how I, how I feel. So how do you want people to remember you, Sebastian Vettel, the Formula One driver? I, I, I'm up to all these people. I mean, it was such a, a crazy time in a positive way with the support and the passion from the fans as well. You know, we talk about the passion of people inside Formula One, but fans make this sport what it really is. We had this weird life experiment with COVID during the pandemic. Nobody on the grandstand it just felt wrong, just felt empty. We were racing, racing for points, racing for trophies, but it seemed like nobody cared. I mean, obviously people on television were following, but you don't see them. Um, so uh, I really miss that and it's great to have the people back. It's what made this whole experience, Formula One, so unique. So I will miss that, I will miss the excitement, I will miss the, the people their little messages, their, you know, uh, attention. But again, you know, there's only so much time we all have, I feel, and I feel ready to move on. Um, how these people will, should remember me, I don't know. I think it's, you know, the next generation is already there. So plenty of other drivers to sort of root for. I don't, I don't know. I. I don't feel I want to be or need to be remembered. Not that everything I did was irrelevant, but just uh, because it's, you know, there's always tomorrow. Maybe it's this, uh, like I said, this side of me that is always looking forward to the next thing that hinders me sometimes to enjoy the present. But uh, I think it's up to people. I think I, I've always tried to be fair. I've always tried to be kind to people. Now they can remember how many races I won, um, have won or championships, but I think I'd rather be remembered, you know, that I've been kind, attentive and just me. If they, you know, enjoyed that or liked that, that's fine. And if it inspired people along the way, you know, I received so much and having so much fun in all these years, if that has given something to people that's satisfying enough, I don't need to be remembered with a banner or with you know, paroles that people are, uh, are using every time they go through a certain corner or to a certain place, if you see what I mean. I don't know if it makes sense, but that's how I feel. Of course it makes sense. And Sebastian, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your time and you will be greatly missed. Thank you. I'll miss parts of it as well, for sure. But um, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, there's um, always something waiting around the next corner. Sensational. Sebastian is one of a kind. 
His presence on the grid and in the paddock is certainly missed by drivers, by fans, by journalists and by everyone associated with Formula One. Which is why it was heartwarming to see Sebastian return at the Japanese Grand Prix last season, where he helped to set up insect hotels on the inside of Turn 2 at Suzuka to sustain insect populations in the area and raise awareness about the importance of biodiversity. Buzzing Corner, as it was called, was a huge success with the drivers helping to decorate the hotels. It's testament to Seb's popularity within the F1 community that he was able to bring the drivers together like that and promote an important cause that's close to his heart. I hope we see more of him at races in 2024. So, three days down already. And tomorrow, 30 Days of Beyond the Grid continues with someone you might have become more familiar with recently if you watched the Disney Plus series about Braun Grand Prix's miracle season in 2009. Follow the podcast so you don't miss it. Catch you tomorrow. Formula One is the greatest sport in the world. But there can be a lot to understand. Don't worry, we're here to help. I'm Katie Osborne. This is Christian Hugill. And welcome to F1 Explains. This is the official F1 podcast about how the sport really works. The drivers, the cars, the rules, the words, the risk takers, late breakers, and history makers that amaze and inspire us every race weekend. Hit like, follow or subscribe for new episodes every Friday as we answer your questions about F1 with the help of some very special guests. Oscar Piastri, welcome for your debut on F1 Explains. Thank you, thanks for having me. Double World Champion Mika Hakkinen, welcome to F1 Explains. That they could make up, what the, what are you doing, man? <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? And by your side, a woman whose race strategy once made Sergio Perez cry. It's important for me to say tears of joy. Welcome back, Bernie Collins. Thank you so much. You've just not heard the crying ones from Lou's from the race. <laughs> Susie Wolf joining us here on F1 Explains. What a joy to have you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me, Christian Hugill and Katie Osborne on the stage is Formula One legend David Coulthard. We'll be here across the 2024 season with current drivers and legends of the sport. Plus, insights and explanations from people you don't usually get to hear from, the unseen experts who are essential to Formula One. We need your question to put to our experts. Are you F1 Explains? <laughs> we are. I love your podcast. I love F1 Explains. <laughs> Christian Hugo. Oh, my God. And Katie Osborne. Katie Osborne. Record it as a voice note on your phone, or you can write it in an email and send it to F1Explains at F1.com. Just search for F1 Explains wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll speak to you soon. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.